0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Dragazine Podcast. I'm your host, senior editor, Brian Wagner. This week on the show, we have the man that can go by one name in his circle of racing, Chris Collins, a.k.a. Limpy. Limpy, what's going on? Nothing much. Awesome to have you on the show. You're one of those people, you know, I mentioned this in our our little pre-call there. I've kind of had you circled to be on the show because you seem to be a person in the the, the no prep in the street racing world that you carry a certain amount of credibility that a lot of people strive for. And I think that's awesome the way that you kind of operate stuff and you know what you do.
1: Well I appreciate it. You know, there you've got to have a a name in this sport and it's gotta be unbiased no matter who's racing. So that's what I've started with and I've stuck with through over the years.
0: Yeah, and I that that's definitely it's unbiased is very, very important when you're, you know, especially a starter and kind of helping put on events because, you know, you know, well, as I know that there are some people out there that aren't unbiased and that can kind of, you know, that could kind of put a stain on events and trying to get people to come to events for sure.
1: Oh, most definitely. Most definitely.
0: Now, you know, I don't know your backstory, but you know, I think it would be interesting for our listeners to kind of hear, you know, what what got you into racing and kind of down the path that you're on to be, you know to be a promoter and kind of be be a race master and race starter so you know how did it all start for you man
1: uh you know i mean just like everybody the competitive nature and you, you know everybody's been competitive started out with football and uh, horses and stuff like that and then it just transferred over to cars
0: yeah it it's interesting the whole competitive nature side of things and and how that draws us into it and you know the the whole the, the, the no prep thing. How how did you get into that side of the racing?
1: Well, I mean, it's it, back in the day, back you know in the '90s, we everybody street raced, and uh, it was basically the same thing. I mean, we just on the street. It, you know, we didn't. Well, they kind of prep back then, but then we, I got I got into it where there was no prep. It's just straight off the trailer. You know, pour your own puddle, and you got to go from
0: there. In the street racing side of things, that can you know that used to have a really negative ish connotation, and then mm-hmm. it again, some people are probably going to choke a little bit when I say this, but honestly, street outlaws kind of changed that a little bit for for the good and the bad. You know, the, the street racing side of things. What what drew you into that?
1: Uh, just the competitive the the competitiveness. And the, you know, just doing something you're not supposed to do. I've always been, I'm kind of a, of a rule follower per se, but you know, there's always the side of me that I've got to do something that I'm not supposed to be doing.
0: Yeah. And anybody that's been to a legit street race can probably attest to that. There's always, even when you're in a spot that you think is safe, there's always that little bit in the back of your mind. That's always wondering, you know, what could happen next.
1: Oh yeah most definitely most definitely the it's the uh I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but it's the uh, man I don't even know what the word I'm looking for it's just you know you get your butterflies in your stomach yeah. you, know? you know you you could be at a spot all night long and the cops won't even show up and then you're like, yeah, but then the next weekend or the next day you're at another spot and then the cops show up and then you're all you know get the get the butterflies,
0: it adds a certain level of thrill and danger to it. I think that's what it really does. Yes, yes. And, you know, the the way – you know, I have just was at the, the No Prep Kings race here at National Tour Raceway about like, a week ago. And to me, it's absolutely amazing how that side of the racing has progressed in such a short time. Com- you know, when oh. you look at radio racing and how that progressed and, and how – you know, even NHR racing progressed. It just seems like no prep racing is on this even crazier rocket ship of a ride on how fast these cars are on the surfaces that they're running on.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. The, uh, well, even, I, I, I kind of started uh, the, they, uh, I can't remember what year it was 05 or 06 or maybe 07. They, uh, we had a track that was local to us and they scraped the track and, they wanted us to do an event out there, just like we do on the street, and we did a we did a big old race. And every other race was a wreck. And I was like, "Man, ain't nobody gonna want to do this stuff." But now, now look at it, well I missed a calling on that one. Yeah,
0: yeah. It, it, it's funny how again how it, it's kind of changed, and it, it comes down to, I think technology and experience. Like I said, there used to be a lot more wrecks in no prep racing, and now depending on how, how you talk to you know there's some of these cars at least on you know the, the the guys that raced on the front half of the tracks they're running you know three second passes which uh-huh. you, you'll get to be all oh, well you know there's rubber out there well to a certain point you, you you watch these cars from the starting line and there's not a single one of them is making a shoestring straight pass
1: no i mean there's 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 a there's a lot of science that goes in involved in this stuff, and the people that's been doing it for a long time uh, has has got the eye for it, and they know what to look for, where to tune their car at, where to, you know, all the variables that goes with it, and uh, they've got the advantage over the the the, the everyday Joe that doesn't have the eye for it.
0: Well, yeah, and it's not something that you can just throw money at to a certain degree it it helps and you know even the best tuners have a have can have a hard time adapting to it and it's it's kind of been interesting to see how certain teams have adapt you know kind of been able to make progress and then others come out and just they're on the struggle bus
1: yeah and and like you said technology nowadays with the shocks and 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 all the 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 uh um Timing mean, and and uh, the uh, uh, all the all the stuff electronics wise has has came a long way and has helped
0: out. Well, and like anything, a lot of that electronics and everything else, it's a tool. It, you know, yeah. it, it, it's a very capable item. But if you know you put a wrench in the hand of a monkey, they ain't gonna be able to fix everything. Am I right? No. <laughs> Sometimes they make it but, worse. But,
1: but they'll but they'll learn.
0: Yeah, eventually, after smashing enough stuff. And whatnot. Mm-hmm. Now, the the back of the track racing, I haven't been to one of those yet. And to me, that seems like that is, you know, the most pure form of, I guess, we'll call it track no prep racing there is because it's, you, you don't think about how little, I guess, traction there really is at a top until you see people try to make a legit hit down it. It's a totally oh. different universe.
1: Oh, yeah. And the people nowadays, the... The blue collar guys that just love doing that stuff. They they the sketchier the better for them.
0: Oh, it, it really is the great equalizer. More than mm. your your typical no prep race, there you know, unless they scrape it down to bare concrete, there'll be a, a little something something there. But that top end of the track, you know, when I was up at a up at National Trail again for the no prep Kings race where they've run some some of the back of the track stuff. And I was out there, you know, doing photo shoots on that surface and I could see where they were running the back of the track stuff there. There's, there's nothing there. You know, there's just, mm-hmm. you, you cannot pin your ears back and let a car eat on that surface. No,
1: no. And, and, uh, everybody, like I said, the science that's involved with it nowadays is, is this high tech, I mean, not only are the, the shocks and putting a weight where they need to the wait and, and just knowing a surface that where they need to get in and out of it or where they need to take timing out or add timing or, you know, this and that and the other. That's just, that's just insane.
0: In the weight placement is kind of an interesting thing too because, you know, you have beater bomb with the, the butthurt bar and putting all the weight on the back of the car and cars running no front ends. And now you got the UFO, you know, which basically that truck, if people don't wear, we did an article on it, it's an altered wheelbase S10. And they're just stealing plays with some of the stuff out of, you know, classical drag racing playbooks and making it work. But the, the, the butthurt bar was definitely an interesting invention by Joey for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. And it it, it riled a lot of people up.
1: Yeah. Well, he's, he's, he was looking at, you know, I don't need to add a lot of weight. I just need to put the weight. I can add less weight and have it outside. Yeah. And, and, and it does the same purpose.
0: Weight transfer is one of the most critical things in drag racing, but in no prep it is ultra critical because you need every ounce of traction that you can score. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Now, you've traveled to a lot of different places, seen a lot of things. What are some of the more sketchy locations that you've uh, participated in races at?
1: Uh, The Darlington up there where uh, Corey Stamper does his race, the that's that's a real real course, top end. Yeah, and uh, it's it's starting to come around, but I think he's done six or eight events out there, and it's. I mean, they're still not. I mean they're they're going fast, but they're not they're not going to to, to their potential.
0: No, and that that's interesting again because Darlington's again it's a nice facility, but it's not designed to race from the back to the front, right? Yes,
1: yes, and that the you know the the. The top end of it is, you know, it's more to grip the tires for, I guess, if you're going for shutdown, but it's not it's not course for going the other way.
0: No, no. And that that provide that that gives racers an entirely crazy problem to try to solve to go fast. Right.
1: Yes, sir. And that's it's just crazy. And now I I think they just had an event out there uh, last weekend and I was watching uh, YouTube on them today and they're they're. They're, they're rolling.
0: It's it's crazy to see them make the fast licks that they make, knowing just how close to the edge of out of control they actually are. Yeah.
1: And and nowadays the uh you know, back in the day nobody wanted to do no prep. Oh, it's it, you know, you wanna I don't want to wreck my stuff for, for this and that and the end. But nowadays there's there's less wrecks in the no prep stuff than there are in radio racing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that, that's another interesting uh, fact that I think a lot of people miss. I, honestly, a lot of wrecks are down in general, you know, at it, it, a lot of events overall. If you look at all the averages and whatnot. But, yeah, I mean, there there's some the no-prep races I've been to where there's a whole lot of nothing that happens. And then, you know, you go to some, you know, slick tie, like a bracket race, and there's been some pretty serious crashes just at a regular bracket race.
1: Oh, yeah. Most definitely, you know, and the people, the people, you know, it's just like people watching NASCAR They're people watch it just for the wrecks and stuff like that. And that's what people got into no prep because they're figured it's going to be a bunch of wrecks. Nowadays, they're not, they're, they're few and far in between in wrecks and, but they're not as going as fast as their potential because, you know, they're, they're just trying to race the track and the guy next to them, they're not trying to put a number down.
0: Well, I, I think part of what makes no prep and, and street racing so popular to the general masses and, you know, that, that certain percentage is just that thrill, that excitement. It's, it's like, you know, when nitro cars used to be really dangerous, you didn't know what was going to happen. You knew something was going to happen. And I think that's what attracts people. And the, the wrecks are, are part of it, but you never know when you're going to see an absolutely crazy pass happen. Yes. You know, it reminds me of, you know, a couple years ago at Outlaw Arm again when Eric Bain drove the wheels, tires, and doors off that Camaro and did the worst job possible. He didn't wreck. He did everything but wreck, but just the way he drove that car, that was an exciting pass to watch.
1: Mm-hmm. And and people people thrive on that stuff. You know, they don't they don't take in effect that, you know, this guy has his heart and soul and this in this to his hot rod and if something happens, you know, he's got to start all over again.
0: It, it brings such excitement to it, and it, it makes, like, like you said, it, it, I think it ties back to that whole butterflies in the stomach thing, I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing. It's that excitement. It's that edginess that makes no prep racing so wild to watch. Exactly. And the the variety of things you see in the personalities and, you know, it, the thing that I've noticed too about no prep racing is it doesn't matter if it's a, you know, no prep Kings event out Armageddon dirty South race, or one of the other ones that I've been to is that it, you know, you hit the nail on the head, the blue collar guy. It is something that you see a lot of families at younger people at it's a different demographic than most other forms of racing because it's extremely identifiable.
1: Yes. Yes. And we're all the the blue collar guys. We're all, you know, we're all family. We're not, we're not, we're we're not blood or anything, but we're all family. And if something happens to somebody, you know, we're all out there to help. Just even in even in the street when we're street racing, if something happens in the street, we're all teaming up together to help this guy out. Just just so we can race him, you know. And if we if we win or we lose, we're you know but we're all there to help each other.
0: Yeah, that that's, you know, that, that's very very true in that side of the racing is that you know, I've legit seen guys give another guy a fender off of their own car when they are out so that guy could keep racing that, you know, that day. It's it's really prevalent in that form of racing for sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, the, the whole Race Master organization starting thing, how did you get into that portion of it?
1: Well, I mean, back in the '90s and everything, we would just do, just you know, it was it was either grudge racing or just it was mostly just grudge racing back in the day. And then I went down to uh, Houston, I think it was an 0405 and they had a like a, a shootout style race, and uh, I was like, that's pretty cool. But I want to, I want to come back to DFW and put my little twist on it, and we'll do our own little thing, and. That's how we pretty much started. I think I started it in 06. I came out with cash days in 06, and it was pretty much just the baddest of the bad show up with, you know, a limited, limited amount of rules and, and just see who the baddest was heads up.
0: Yeah, that's that. I, I've always enjoyed any form of, I'll call them legit cash day races, where it's, like you said, very limited form of rules. And I think with those kind of races, when you put those on, you don't get as many people, I guess, crying about the rules or the way it's set up because you know what you're walking into. You're walking in to an absolute battle. And if you're not ready for it, you don't think you're ready for it. Don't even try. Don't, don't even show up because no one wants to hear about why you think a rule is unfair. Right? Yeah.
1: And you go to these grudge races nowadays and you're, Even if it's a grudge race on the street, I mean, you're usually standing in a parking lot for two or three hours and let them, let them, you know, diss on each other and then blah, blah, blah. And then they come up with their steps and, you know, I need to hit and this and that and the other. I'm not into chases or race or links or or any of that stuff. I want to see who the baddest guy on the property or on the street is. That's just the way it is.
0: It's the way God intended. I agree. I'm ch- yeah. ch- Chase's race isn't my deal. Giving someone, if you have to ask someone to give you a length, you shouldn't be racing them. That's just my opinion. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I mean, if, if if you're if you're competitive, you want to be the fastest at what you are.
0: Yeah. I, and I'm,
1: if you got to ask for something, then that just, you know, I know it's all a hustle, and you know it's just not that the other, but. I, I for one ain't gonna ask for anything because if I get beat, guess what? I'm gonna go back to the drawing board and make myself even faster so I can try to beat the guy next time.
0: What are some What are some good hustles that you have seen people pull off? Because I've seen some interesting ones that I've seen people that uh, are say they were less than educated that got in that their uh, their mouth wrote a check that their uh, car couldn't cash. What are some of the interesting hustles that you might have a uh, have seen over the years that you can remember
1: over like, I mean, there's, there's some guys that, that thought their car was faster. And I mean, they, they were betting some stupid money just for one race. Like a, I think it was a, a $50,000 race and uh, it was heads up or it wasn't heads up. It was straight up, but one guy wanted to hit. So I pretty much, I got them lined up and the one guy that, that uh, needed to hit or thought, tried that he wanted to hit so he could get the advantage uh, end up getting blown out and and he just thought he had it one he just thought he had it one he thought he had it one even if he didn't just run heads up
0: that's gotta that's, be, a,
1: that's a that's a lot of money
0: that's gotta be rough when you think you've got the hustle in the bag you've got them to give you the hit and then you go out and you get you know you get drugged like a farm wagon that's that, that mm-hmm. hurts and you lose all that money oh yeah i mean that's it's it's crazy it i've one of my favorites is uh people who you know try to convince others about turbo or blower sizes and it's clear that the person that they are hustling has n- they have no clue what's happening they're like a tourist in a foreign country and mm-hmm. you almost feel bad but you just you watch it unfold and then like you said, you watch the you watch the donkey stomping occurring and it's yeah, you, know, you you just you feel for the person, you're like, Oh, that's a fool is quickly separated from their money.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, and then the uh or the other one when they uh the you know, we got uh we run tire size or whatever. We you know, it's gotta be this tire size, no W's. We don't allow W's in small tire. It just it just W stands for wide, so yeah. W doesn't stand for small tire.
0: No, yeah. and
1: uh, some guy, some guy got busted with a with a W. I was, even though our our rule was twenty nine ten five non W, he had a twenty eight ten five W, and it, they're they're roughly the same tread width, but he got he got caught with his pants down.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that, I, I can tell you from experience, one of the last places you want to get caught cheating is a street race or grudge race. That is not the optimal place you want to be.
1: Oh, yeah, most definitely.
0: And the one of my favorites is when I hear people say, oh, it's a small block. I'm like,
1: oh. Yeah, don't small block, one kid. Small block, one kid.
0: Yeah, I'm like, oh, boy, boy, oh, boy. If you're believing this dude's got a small block, I got some oceanfront property in Kansas that you really need to yeah. look at as well because – There are some, I know for a fact, some grudge engines out there that are used as air quotes small blocks that may appear to be small block-ish, but they are very expensive pieces that are so far from being a small block, it's not even funny.
1: Oh, yeah. They're small block with, with big block numbers.
0: Yeah. Which, again, to me is absolutely crazy to think about, but again, you know it's all about the hustle, you know, hats off to the people that can have figured out how to game the system and, you know, get those advantages when they need to get them.
1: Exactly. All I those, mean, the, the, uh, the, the sheer sure sheerness of, of trying to hustle somebody or, or, uh, and then getting caught. That's the face that they, they make when that happens They're you know, is, is kind of comical.
0: Yeah you see their soul slowly leaving their body
1: yeah yeah and then you know that they're not going to get another race
0: oh no they're they're done which yeah. which kind of cracks me up in the grudge racing scene too because i see some guys talk about oh well, i don't want to i don't want to run a class car this that or the other which i get to a certain point but to me i know that some of these class cars can be significantly faster if they don't have to run at class rules like scary fast on how much time they pick up so it's really sometimes hard to judge a car if you've seen it like the boards before a lot of these guys they're never showing their true hand and you know that's why I, I i giggle too when i see some of the internet experts out there talking about how you know some of these you know the the no prep cars would just they'd get run over if they ran you know insert class here like you know y- y'all y'all realize that These cars still have the same Pro Line Hemi and Pro Charger in them that a Pro Mod has, right? It's making the same power.
1: Well, they're they're going off the the early days of that's why street racing. You know, the the slower guy had the advantage versus the 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 horsepower guys, the faster guys, because back in the day, you know, uh, a five a six second car had just as so much a chance to win than a five second car did on the streets. And nowadays it's it's people has gotten, you know, we're back to the science of everything and everybody's gotten data and, and this and that and the other and they, they know how to make stuff work.
0: Yeah, the the data side of it is just unbelievable. And it, it's not like they're detuning some of these engines. They're just figuring out how to maximize the power they can put down based on the surface that they're given. That's all they're doing. Yeah.
1: And yeah. And the one race that we went to, uh, it was, it was real sketchy and most of the turbo guys, you know, they have the override, but they, uh, I think his name is Chris Rankin. He had his on the he had his button. So it would D D, de, uh, detune yeah. all the way down the track. He would start off at 12 pounds, by the time it was over with, he was on, like, two pounds. It's
0: reverse throttle stop, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the, the scramble button um, isn't necessarily your friend in no prep and street racing because, again, it comes back to people think that a prep, tre- you know, a, a no prep Kings race or some of these other front half of the no prep races, that first, we'll say, 100 feet might be pretty good, but once you get past 100 feet, that that's where you got to kind of pull those belts a little extra tight if you decide you want to start pouring the power in because there's not nearly as much rubber down out there.
1: Oh yeah, uh, and that's when the weight and the, the transfer comes in. Yeah,
0: so yeah, you
1: gotta you gotta be planted and you gotta you've gotta be on a pass.
0: Yeah, because the last thing you want to do is you know lock up converter engages all the all the turbo psi engages. And you hit a not so friendly spot on the tracker. You know your car isn't. You know the suspension isn't set, and it's not on where it needs to be. uh, bad things are going to happen in a hurry.
1: Yeah, back a few years ago, I mean, it was it was unheard of. Uh, you would get out there hundred feet, and it would be a smoke show. But nowadays, that you get out there hundred feet, and they're still they're still making a number because you got you got dumps on their trainees and and everything like that now.
0: Well, I I think that's, too, why you see a lot of people in no prep and street racing going to blowers of various kinds because it's a lot more manageable power curve. It kind of comes back to the science of it, you know? Mm -hmm. They don't make as much power as a turbo, but it gives you a lot more control of when you can put it in, and it's not like a nitrous car that you're trying to smash in the mouth right off the hit. It's a completely different animal. Oh, yeah. You know... What are some, who are some of the more impressive no prep racers out there that, you know, from, from your perspective that, you know, really kind of, that they're just, they're flat fast that maybe people aren't a hundred percent aware of that, you know, cause again, you being a, a starter, being at a lot of these events, you get the, you know, the perfect bird's eye view to see just how fast these cars actually are. Who, who are some of the legit fast guys out there or, or
1: gals? Uh. uh... Well, you got the Mac guys up there in Indiana. Yeah. All all them guys are, especially the, they prefer the, the sketchy side. They don't. They know they don't stand a chance on. They don't have the horsepower and stuff like that on the front side stuff. But they they can hang their own on the sketchy stuff. Uh. You know, Ryan Mitchell and, and with uh, uh, Casey Max, he he, he good on either side. And he can run big tire and he can run small tire. It don't matter. Beater uh, bomb, of course. Uh, you know uh, the uh, Robert out there and I in in, in uh, Florida with the uh, chicken hawk. Yeah. For Notrus car, Notrus car. He's got that thing rolling, and he's got he's got that stuff figured out. Because, you know, like you said earlier, the not just smacking them in the teeth and out of the hole, it just doesn't work. But he's got to figure it out.
0: Yeah. It, it's a fast nitrous car on a no-prep surface is someone to be afraid of because they've got their power management program. They, they got it lined up.
1: Yeah. Um, I forgot his name. I forgot his name. Uh, but he doesn't. Um, he's up there in North Carolina. Um, oh man, I forgot his name he doesn't have a front end, but, uh, he's always a competitor when, when he, wherever he goes, um, his, his wife has the Maverick and I mean, or she had, she wrecked, but, uh, all the AV AV boys. No, no, they're in Cali. They, well, yeah. Tony and all them guys are as, as well from Navy boys, you know? Yeah. They're, uh, but he had, uh, the guy out there and, in north carolina i forgot his name but he's always he's always in the semifinals usually wherever he goes
0: it, it, it's funny you mention you know beater bomb and and the guys from mac because i've experienced both of them through the horsepower wars the 10 g drag shootout they're all competitors and those guys from all those camps have the same thing in common They have a work ethic that grinds the majority of people into the ground when it comes to their racing program. They will do some of the most insane things that most normal humans would be like, you know, I like racing, but I don't like it that much. These guys, they're addicts. They're like, what, what do I need to do to go faster? It's, it's unreal. Yeah. And
1: they, they're all, they're constantly out there testing, testing, testing to make themselves faster.
0: Yeah, it, it's like, you know, with the gap train, when they were building that, and, mm-hmm. you know, some of the other teams on the show, were they were kind of laughing, like, that's stupid, that's stupid, I'm like, of all the teams that are in here, these are not the guys you want to sleep on, trust me, they if they're doing something, they're doing it for a reason, and they're going to figure it out, mm-hmm. and like you said, they, they test, and I mean, I think Adam and Nick, they both, they go through engines just for the simple fact, you know, they, they tear a good amount of stuff up, but it's because they're just, they're always putting laps on stuff to try to figure out how to make it go faster.
1: Yeah. What's the old saying? Pill it till you kill it and then rebuild and then back it off a hair.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Pill (laughs) it till you kill it or turn the boost up till it starts smoking, then crank it down a couple knots. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. it's. You find creative ways to find the the edge of what works, and then, you know, if you're lucky enough, you can catch it before it goes pop. You back it off a little bit, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Now, from your aspect, you know, your point of view, what makes a good event a good event? You know when you're helping put it on or some of the stuff you've been to, what, what are some of the things that you look for in an event that make, make you after the fact, all right, that, that went really good. Or, you know, that was some good racing. You know, what, what are the things that, you know, that you want to see?
1: Uh, street or
0: track. Let's talk about both. Let's talk about the street first. What, what, what makes a good, legit street race? You know, no, Uh, no, no lights. No, none of that stuff. Like legit, like you got to run maybe from the cops at some point tonight, street race. Well, that, but
1: uh. You know, I've always said, you know, uh, no one got hurt, no one went to jail. Uh, everybody had fun. That's a successful night in street racing.
0: That's a simple yet effective format, and that that works for sure. Yeah, and, and
1: you know, it's just just the way that's the way I've always been for twenty plus years now.
0: Do you actually like? put time and effort into scouting spots or you know how does oh, that yeah. typically work because i you know this isn't something you can't put a if you're gonna have fast cars going down the street it's you know i can feel we could put the disclaimer out there yes it's dangerous yeah it might not be the smartest thing but you got to try to mitigate those risks as much as possible don't you
1: yes i mean that's why back i started i started doing this before you know google maps and this and that and the other you know so you'd have to go out and sit on the streets and you know, look for uh, traffic-wise. Look for you got to find a road that there's not much traffic on. That's why I've always, always liked the warehouse stuff because most warehouses don't run, or now they do, but but back then they didn't run twenty-four-seven, and they were off on the weekends. Uh, you know, good clean road, good clean shutdown, uh, and just you know, plenty of parking.
0: That you know, the other thing a lot of people I I think that might escape them is a. Uh... You know, sometimes uh, the the curb situation, because you don't want a big old gnarly curb or culverts or tons mm-hmm. of trees or poles, because that's all stuff that uh, race cars don't play well with.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, you get, there's all kinds of stuff you got to take into effect. Where the cops come, which way would they be coming from? Where you're going to put your security out? How far out they're going to you are going to put them out so you'll get you won't get busted in the act. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of factors that are involved in illegal street racing. Well, you just got to have a good head on your shoulders and, and think about it.
0: No, it's about mitigating the risk. And then the other thing you got to deal with too, that again, something that people don't think about is honestly crowd control because I never was a fan of going to street races where there was more people there that should be there, if you know what I mean. And oh, then exactly. people standing where they shouldn't stand. There's no guardrail that, you know, a normal racetrack is a dangerous place. Street racing is even crazier because you, know, you got to be responsible. Don't stand too far out in front of the cars because there's nothing to keep that car from coming to visit you.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't let nobody run unless, you know, people were back. I, about the furthest i let them get out would be the media, you know, people taking pictures and videos would be about, I'd let them go about 60 foot out, but they wouldn't be on the curb. But, you know, 20, 30 feet would be about as much as I'd let spectators out. Oh,
0: when I've done no prep races where there were no, you know, with stuff with like the discovery, they, they limit where, you know, the media, legit media people can go along the wall because it's a show. Yeah. You Go to Al Armageddon. I think the furthest I ever went down the track, there was maybe 150, 200 feet, like at mm-hmm. the most. And even then, like I was more hyper aware being that far down the track because again, things happen quickly at a track. But when you, you don't know what these cars are legit going to do. You've really got to pay attention.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. you always got to have your head on swivel.
0: Yeah. So when it comes to, you know, something you're putting on, like a back of a track event, front of the track event, what are some of the things that kind of make one of those events work well? You know, for racers, spectators, and participants, you know, the whole deal. What What goes into making one of those events work?
1: You know, pretty much everybody has a good time versus uh, from the racers to the fans to the organizers. That and, you know, just some good, good, clean racing. Good, clean racing and uh, everybody, everybody, you know, it's a show, like you you stated. It's a show and, you know, everybody's out there to do a show. Plus, Plus, you know, paying some good money, too.
0: You know I've always said that racers can be racers can be difficult to deal with and they can be simple to deal with depending, but usually you know they want three things: program, prep, payout. If you can somehow manage those three things correctly, you will keep the majority of racers happy. And I think you know on the, on the program side of things, it's the organization. You know, how do you typically organize one of these races where, you know, it's kind of out, you know, it's very outlawish. You know, there's not a lot of rules and whatnot. Is there a typical, you know, kind of decorum on how you guys do things? You know, what, what, you know, what, what do racers expect?
1: Yes. Well, I mean, some, some like going by a, 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 um, a bracket style. I've always been a, just a fan of the chip draw, you know, let you know you you draw from you draw your lane and what order you're running in uh, but even that that has slowed down everything so you know we're gonna change stuff up for our event we've we've changed stuff up for our events this year uh there's there's some other people doing some other events that are just they just take forever and the races just go on and on and on and, on. and that's just. It's unheard of nowadays to be racing for well into the morning when you shouldn't have to.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: you got you got to speed up stuff. Uh, I know cars need time to cool down, but you know this day and age, there's all kinds of stuff where you can cool your car down a lot faster.
0: Well, I think too, you know, it's v- that is very interesting to hear you talk about that because. I think there's a lot of people listening to this that might think that no prep and street racing is just, it's chaos. Well, no good events. There's a certain level of organization to it. And it's almost sounding like when you do an event like that, that that's sort of like how a, a bigger event is run that you have, you know, a run order and you have filler classes and whatnot. That way you constantly have a flow of cars. Cause like you said, the last thing you want to do is have your spectators like staring at an empty track.
1: Yeah. For, 30, 45 minutes to an hour, that's just, I mean, that's not good business.
0: Well, I, I think the only thing worse is when you got to stare at a bunch of tractors making laps on the track, but, you know, mm-hmm. at, at a no-prep race, you don't even have that. It's just awkward silence, right? Yeah,
1: but, you know, also nowadays, you know, with the with the no-prep, if something happens, you do got cleanup, and some of these tracks, uh, the places that we go to, they don't have tractors and stuff like that, so you've got to get out there and, you know, get work with your elbows and muscles and stuff to get stuff, get stuff fixed and cleaned up.
0: Uh, I've seen, st- I have saw it one year out Outlaw again, they moved the starting line because of like yeah. something that happened on the starting line. Like, you know, it's not like we can really prep this. So the only thing we can do is move the starting yeah. line forward, you know, X amount of feet. Yeah. Or, or back. Like, yeah, it makes sense. It presents a whole different, you know, situation. I think it's, the chip draw is personally one of my favorites for the simple fact because it adds so much randomness to it. And it's funny to see the NHRA try to steal a little bit of that idea with, you know, some of the stuff they did with that that Pet Boys, the, you know, the, the shootouts they're doing and stuff like that with the Nitro cars. They were trying to, you know, pull a page from your guys' book to to bring that legit excitement back to the racing.
1: Yeah. And, you know everybody tries to find the gray area and stuff on that nowadays the if you got three or four buddies and they draw each other or whatever you got people switching chips or I've even heard people selling chips
0: yeah
1: uh, but you know you've got to we've got a way that we're we're doing we've got to, I actually learned it from Jeff but we're gonna be doing a different style of chip draw.
0: It's interesting, again, with, you know, the whole chip draw deal. Another thing I like about that, you know, especially even when you do, like, you know, some of the grudge and the no-time shootouts, is you you legit might get to see what I would consider multiple final round matchups in the same race.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, cool. I was just in Wisconsin this past weekend, and uh, I was like, the two fastest guys, I said, I said, that's going to be... One of them guys is going to be your winner, and hopefully it's in the final, but it happened to be in the third round, and they had to face each other in the third round.
0: Well, you know, look at one of those back-of-the-track races where I know know, Bill Lutz is local to me here in Ohio, and everybody was freaking out because he was bringing his car down. I'm like, y'all got to realize it's a a race, and it's a no-prep race. Anything could happen. Like, Mm -hmm. just because you have a 3,000-horsepower screwblower car— does not guarantee you're going to win that race because trying to calm one of those cars down to make it down a sketchy surface can actually be infinitely more difficult than wicking it up, and that's again, oh, yeah. it, it's what makes that kind of racing interesting.
1: Yeah, and I was I was out there. At, I think when he came out the digger die, I was out there, and yeah. you can only turn that you you can only turn them cars down so much before they don't run basically. Yeah. And uh, he had it turned down, I think, as far as it would go. And he still did tire fry, in the end, but he was still won. Yeah. But it didn't work out for the second round.
0: No, no. I Yeah. It was dig or die that he, like, they were testing on that car, like, around here locally, wherever they could, where there was, like, bare and fresh concrete, trying to figure out. They were trying to find how low can we turn this thing down where it'll still run. Yes.
1: And that, that, that again, banging and popping and, and just falling on his face and not, not starting.
0: Well, you could hurt an engine trying oh, to run yeah. it too fat. I mean, that, that'll that do a lot. That'll do sometimes more damage than running it too lean.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Most definitely.
0: And, and I think that, you know, get your take on this. One of my favorite things about no prep racing and street racing is the variety. I, you know, I'll go to a lights out, no mercy, something like that. And it's, you know, it's a sea of Fox body Mustangs. I go to some of these events and, you know, yeah, there's still, you know, a certain amount of Mustangs and whatnot, but there's always going to be, I will say at least five to 10 really cool non-traditional cars at these races. You know, is, is that something you like about it? Something you see a lot of?
1: Oh yeah. You know, when, especially when you're on the street, you see just about anything. Yeah, you see pickups and Blazers, and now the now the uh, the uh, wagons are back again, and uh, you know the four-door cars, the the Fairlane or the uh, Fairmonts, and stuff like that are making a comeback again. But you know they're they're putting stuff, they're building stuff nowadays that that normally you wouldn't see anywhere, but you know. It's just, it's cool to see different, different stuff. That's why I do a lot of traveling because I've, I've always, you know, watched YouTube and I've always wanted to go see these cars in person, different cars all over the country. And now I get to do that.
0: Yeah. That, that you know, that's one of the things I enjoy too is the traveling. What are some of your favorite places you've got to travel to to either put on an event or just check out an event or, or be a part of it? You know, what are some of the unique, fun places you've been to?
1: Excuse me. Uh... This year I got uh, I got number two on my bucket list. I got to go to uh, uh, Compton to the street races in Compton, and uh, man, that's 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 a uh, that's a different animal over there. I was
0: gonna say that, that that's I bet you there's a lot of interesting stories you can tell from that uh that adventure.
1: Well, I mean, you wouldn't think that they're they're taking off at, at a light, and in, in Compton, and right by the light, there's a neighborhood. There's a full-fledged subdivision right by the, where they race at. And, you know, they race out there every, every, every night. There's a grudge racer or something every night out there.
0: <laughs> That's wild.
1: And, uh, you know, that stuff, that stuff is just crazy. Yeah. like And, and they prep. They actually prep. <laughs> the, they actually prep the road.
0: They have a TVC sprayer that they purchased from Kurt Johnson on a four-wheeler they're out there prepping with.
1: Well, I and mean, they, they prep probably, you know, 60, 60 feet, 60, 80 feet out there, but they, they got their own little prep guy that goes out there with the with the spray spray canister and sprays both lanes.
0: Oh, that's wild. <laughs> that, that's one of those things that I think I'd want to check out just to say that I've been to Compton and I've watched street racing, you know. The, yeah,
1: and the sad thing is that the, I, I won't give the well, – It's everywhere out there. It's 135th of Maine in Compton, you know, Main Street.
0: Yeah. It's one of those situations where there's a lot of other problems going on that law enforcement is like, if this is the worst thing that they're going to do, let's just let that controlled chaos hang out over there. Yeah. That's like a – I've seen some street racing in Detroit with some pretty gnarly cars where I've seen the chutes pulled on the streets. That's always interesting. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh yeah, like that, three- I've seen seen it lots of times, and I'm like, some of the times you see it, it was just, it was just the uh, I'm gonna pull the shoots on you just just because.
0: Yeah, well, th- this was during the day, which makes it even more interesting. When you see them popping mm-hmm. shoots, it's like, that's you know, didn't think I was gonna see that today, but yeah, when yeah, popping the shoots just to uh, to put them in someone's face—that's the ultimate. That- that's another big diss, right?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, I've always said the best the best place to hide is in broad daylight
0: yeah exactly so, so you've been to compton what are some other interesting places that you've got to uh to travel to
1: i went to <clears throat> we went out to arizona and that's a different they've got a, they've got a road out there that's it's basically like i call it a sidewalk because it's it's little it's it's barely wide enough for two cars to go down with a little bit of wiggle room uh out there in Arizona and it's out in the desert. So at night you get the wind blowing up and they get the, you know, the, the sand and whatever blowing all over the road, but they're still, they're still rolling out there.
0: <laughs> yeah. The, racing in uh, the, I've been to Vegas before for, yeah. you know, super Streetcar nationals and racing in the desert, the like just on a, a per, on a regular track changes everything across the board. I couldn't imagine being on the streets.
1: Oh yeah, and I went out to Vegas too. Uh, we went out to the streets out there, outside of Vegas, and uh, they had a little shootout out there, and it was it was a good time. I that rode out there fast, fast.
0: Yeah. Well, the interesting thing I think a lot of people might not realize that haven't been to Vegas. They think of Vegas and they think that they just see the strip in their mind. They don't realize that like you drive out past the Air Force Base, there's nothing. You are, and that's just where I've been out there. I'm like, man, there's like absolutely nothing out here. I can only imagine in some of these other areas that it's just open road. Oh, yeah.
1: And, and you get out there and there's, there's nothing out there. You're like, I mean, there's one road out there. They race on the service road and you can see the service road, just planes, bang, they're out there making hits in the daylight, in the daytime. And the cars are in, I'm like, this is cool. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you can see cars coming for a mile away on both sides, but still
0: makes your job easier, doesn't it? Make, makes actually it makes things a little bit safer because you you're able to pay a little bit more attention to what's going on. Yeah,
1: yeah. As a flagger on, on the street, you got to have your you got to have your head on the swivel as well. So you have got to know what's coming up behind you. What's what's make sure nobody's standing out where they shouldn't be, and. uh you gotta have a guy that's on the line that has it ears that for security because you don't want to send nobody when there's cops in the area. You know you gotta have. There's all kinds of factors that you gotta get to think about.
0: Yeah, the the safety side of it is you know it. You're literally race control, race master, race director, everything all at once. So there's a lot going on that you got to pay attention to. Exactly. Because,
1: you know, your, your, your ass is on the line just as much as the guy's racing.
0: Yeah, and it's the same thing even at some of these, like uh, a no-prep race where there's, you know, just a regular flagger and there's no timing system or anything. You're running, you know, off a flashlight is, again, you've you've got to be aware of everything that's happening on that track before you think about sending the next pair down the track. Exactly. That's That's definitely... It, it's wild to see all that happening like, so i've been to a few of these and it's to me it's just fascinating to see the, the the difference between the differences and the similarities and the different forms of racing but just how hardcore no prep and street like f- racing fans really are it's 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 phenomenal yeah i mean
1: that's i eat drink and sleep nothing but racing so i mean, that's that's I can't even, sometimes I can't even shut my head off at night to even get some sleep because I've got all these ideas.
0: Yeah, that that's exactly. That's when, when you're in this sort of lifestyle and you, you're, you know, de- depending on the different areas, I'm the same way as it, you're constantly thinking about, in my case, the next story. What can I write about what I could do? And then as a promoter and then as someone that puts on the events, I'm sure you're always thinking about the next big thing you could do to make racing better for the racers and the fans. Exactly. And that's honestly, to me, I think, a very important job because what you do will dictate, you know, the crowds really and who comes to these events. And that's important these days to have, you know, butts in the seats. Exactly. And, again, I think it comes back to, the, you know, your reputation as a, a promoter or, you know, someone in the industry because if people know, hey, Limpy's put on this race, they're like, all right, I know this is going to be a good show. I've got to go check this out. That kind of adds some pressure to you, doesn't it to really to put on a good show and not disappoint your, you know, your fans and patrons.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, the, the weight on the shoulders is heavy when it comes to, to that. And over the years, it's kind of, it's kind of, I've just become, it's just become just a normal deal. I'm used to, I've got, as I, as I say, I've got hard shoulders, so I ain't got soft shoulders. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't take a lot of crap because for one I don't feel like I should because I know I know I'm not in this for for me or anybody else I just want to see a good clean race and give somebody to a, a winner but you know the especially when you're on the street there's a lot of a lot of stuff that falls on your shoulders that that you got to think about cuz when I'm on the street I'm thinking I'm usually three steps ahead of where I am at the, at the moment
0: then yeah, you got to be yeah And I I think that there's a lot of racers out there that I think that they should shadow people like you for a race just so they'll honestly be better people because they think, I think that that there's people out there that, well, I, you know, paid a tech card, I did this, that, and the other, I, I should be able to do this, you know, say that. No, not really, because you don't understand what it takes to put all these in events and maybe you need to be more you know, you need to be more appreciative of the people that are putting these on and what they have to go through to make this work for you.
1: Yes. And you know, there's the stress the stress factor in all this is is, you know, hundred times fold just because you got not only are you worried about the race, but you're worried about all the other stuff that goes along with it. So you know, it's just not just I'm putting a race on and we're going to race, you know, there's all kinds of other factors that that, that are involved in it.
0: Yeah, and it also it changes how, like, it, at least from my point of view, from helping to try to put on events and doing the things that I've done, is that if I'm approaching somebody that is, you know, a part of the event, I, I'm very, again <laughs> – I'm very gingerly towards them. I walk up to them and, you know, you feel the situation out because you don't know what fresh hell that they just accidentally stepped in or just had thrust upon them and it, it it can it can be very stressful.
1: Yeah. I I usually I've lived by a motto for a long long time and it's 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 helped me deal with a lot of stress. Is I don't let the little the little stuff bother me no more. You know, it is, you know, it, you're going to have stuff happen. Just, you know, just you just got to go with the flow and take the punches and, you know, move on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's literally all you can do. And that's why I, I always giggle when I see people arguing about rules on the internet. You know, I've, you know, again, I've been a part of that situation help dictate and create rules that there's some promoters and some racing organizations that in my opinion are way too nice about it. I mean, I've looked at people and said, you know, I can't write these rules so you can win just you. You know, that's that's not how this works, my friend. This is racing, you know.
1: Oh, and I've seen races like that are put on just for certain people versus, you know, in the streets. It's like, you know, did did you call and ask him for the rules so that he would – everybody has to fit like he sits? Because that's the big deal nowadays is uh, you sit like me or, you know, got to sit a certain way.
0: Which – again it cracks me up because you know even my own my, my personal project car my, my turbo street car I get in I'm gonna get in where I can fit in I you know it's either I need to get faster to you know run some people heads up or you know I'm gonna have to limit the car so I can fit in another class I can't go to someone like Justin Keith at the street car take and be like listen man I need a weight break for my specific combo because you know I'm just not gonna be as fast as everybody. A good promoter is going to look at you and be like, "Well, you either need to get faster or you need to drop down a weight class." Though those are your options. Yeah. Which that's how it should be, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and I've seen all these street races or whatever; they're they're designed for horsepower. Like you are, you know, thousand horsepower limited. I mean, how are you going to dictate? <laughs> uh, just, they got to bring a dynamo sheet. Yeah. How to, do you? Uh, I mean,
0: yeah, how, how do you police that? I want to yeah. hear someone's logic on how you police that.
1: Yeah. Or even, even running like a index on the streets where <laughs> you're going to have somebody. They, I've seen them back in the day. They had a radar gun out there. You can't run faster than this. I said, well, all they're going to do is get up there and then hit the brakes. It's basically like bracket racing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That uh, you just got to shake your head sometimes, right? You just look at people oh, yeah. and go. I
1: just, uh, that's why I said, i just yeah i going go do that. And I'm going to, we're going to go over here and do this.
0: Yeah. You guys have fun with that disaster. I'm going to just, I'm going to do my thing. Y'all have fun. Mm -hmm. God bless, right? God bless. Well, Limpy, our time is starting to come to an end. I like to give my guests a little fun question from time to time. And, you know, you spend a lot of time standing on the starting line and, you know, helping run these events. What class would you race if you were given? I'm giving you the the Dragzine podcast checkbook is wide open. There's gajillions of dollars in there, unlimited funds. You have access to that. What are you going to build and what are you going to race?
1: Uh, uh, small tire for sure. Just because that's where it's at. It's always been at. And man, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, some something something you don't see. I
0: like it. Like an opal. Something like a,
1: you know, something like maybe like a 82 Corolla that you don't see, like just just, yes. decked out. Something you, know, something you don't see on the street ever.
0: Something you see at import versus domestic, you know, at the World yeah, Cup, but yeah. not something you see on the street.
1: Yeah. Just something just weird. I dig it. Or like a, a Pinto or something, you know, just something weird. <laughs>
0: Something that people are going to be able to go. They see the car and they instantly know who it is. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I also like to give my guests their opportunity to uh, channel their John Force and thank everybody they need to thank and, you know, do what they got to do, tell people what they got going on. So the floor is yours, my friend. Tell people where they can learn more about what you got going on, who you need to thank, and the whole deal.
1: Uh, you can follow me on my Facebook page, Olympi. I just I have a Facebook page, Olympi, and a uh, YouTube channel. Is a uh, DFWSS or Limpy, either or. I don't forget. I think it's Limpy on YouTube. I uh, like to thank my wife first and foremost. She lets me do this, and we've been together for thirty plus years. And she just lets me be me and have fun. And uh, uh, no, no sponsor or anything. I just she she sponsors me and lets me do whatever I want. So that's about it. Thank thank you for. Allow me to come on and interview me.
0: No, no, that was awesome. Well, any big events coming up that people need to check out that you're a part of?
1: Uh, we'll be in uh, the Kentucky Dragway uh, end of uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. They're doing a backside on Friday night and front side on uh, Saturday. And we're doing a big race in uh, KD Dragway uh, July 4th weekend, uh, Saturday and Sunday. Out oh. there. I think there's six seven classes out
0: there. I, My family's from Southern Ohio. I raced at KD in college. Mm-hmm. This is one of those tracks, people, that you need to go to because it is so – it's different. It's different than any other track you've been to. If you like the whole outlaw kind of just non-corporate, like as real as it gets kind of event, Go to go to Olympia's event at KD Dragway because it's it, it's a holder for what it's a really cool place to go to. And you go to Giovanni's for pizza or Fred's,
1: Giovanni or Fred's. All right, yeah, I've, I've noted that. G- I've never been there and I've always seen it on the internet. And I've always, this will be my first time there.
0: Yes, Giovanni's or Fred's for the pizza. If you want a good, legit meal when you're in Portsmouth, go to the river the river the river has amazing steaks and chicken and everything else you know i'm a certified fat kid i will go there and eat until i'm uncomfortable the food there is amazing so yeah that's you need to you, those are the places you need to go to while you're there to eat good deal and and whatever
1: i'm a, i'm a i'm a fat kid and fat guy so yeah i can i can, can do with that
0: and whatever you do stay out of pat's cafe just, oh boy just just trust me they're, they're, I've seen some things in there, seen some things. I'm sure it's a nice place for some people, but I've been in there and, you know, the old classic, you know, in the in the movie when someone walks in, the record scratches. That was my experience <laughs> there. So I was like, you know what? I can sense where I'm not wanted, and I'm just going to hustle on out of here. Y'all have a great night. <laughs> <laughs> but once again, Limpy, thanks for coming on the show. We greatly appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me.